Hello, and thanks for tuning in to Stable Connections, the podcast. Today's episode is with Sean Hardcastle, and he tells us about his journey through vet school, how coming out to his parents and to his community was, and some aspirations for life. Hope you enjoy. Do you want me to start from where I was like, Born and raised and all that fun stuff. Yeah. All right. So that's actually a pretty cool little thing that I like to tell people because I was born and raised in Bishop, California, you know, the home of mule days, but also it's like the backside of Yosemite in between Mammoth Mountain, Death Valley. So it was actually geologically a really cool place to grow up. As a kid, super involved with everything as far as outdoor things. I did the normal like 4-H type of thing. But then I got into the horses, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in a bit. But I did even more than that. I got into rock climbing. You know, we did a lot of hiking. We raced pheasant to hunt. We did deer hunting. We fished. Uh, actually, it's one of the better fisheries in the United States as far as like trout go. And then all the back country stuff so we have tons of packing you know especially around like the mules the mule days never owned my own mules but i've always wanted to that being said it was just always horse stuff yeah did you guys own horses we did owned horses raised pigs had rabbits dogs cats you know chickens and then went into the whole pheasant thing turned the pig pen into a pheasant <laughs> corral basically and that was a lot of fun so were your parents into horses or how did that come about so my parents are actually from southern california my mom and dad met got married and then moved to bishop so they even moved away from their family because my dad had a job offer there so my dad did get into horses a little bit he always had a dog growing up that's kind of always there's always been a dog in our lives yeah uh, from there, it kind of grew because I kind of had a thing for animals and I wanted to get into the 4-H stuff. So did the 4-H horse, did the pig thing, and then kind just kind of grew from there. But no, I was kind of the more animal-y one. My brother was more of like the person who liked to skateboard and mm. play video games. I was outside all the time getting dirty doing that stuff. My brother did too, but I was the major one as far as doing all the the livestock stuff my parents didn't really have all that i did and they were kind of just along with it super helpful i think they had fun and they always say that at an early age they saw that you know i wanted to do stuff around animals and that i was good at it animals seemed to like me so they kind of always encouraged us to go in that type of a direction so when horses were in your life did you show what kind of riding did you do yeah so started out doing like that quotation stuff went into pleasure then did the reigning cow horse type of thing and i think you know at one point i had two horses three horses riding other people's horses helping break horses at uh, indian creek ranch in bishop the person that kind of taught me was sandy day and you know i worked with her for many years so i you know all of my horse experience really did come from her which was fantastic. I think she did a decent job, I think. Anyway, <laughs> unfortunately I did sell all my horses to go to college because I didn't want to have to leave anything back for my parents to take care of. And I just really couldn't afford and I didn't want to have the, the animals hanging over me. I just really wanted to get into vet school because yeah. ever since I was little, my parents were like, yeah, he likes animals. You should be a vet. And then from there, just that was my only track. Just yeah. wanted to be a veterinarian. Even the local uh, vet who kind of became my mentor later on, Carl Lind, he saw it at a young, he's like, when you are able to work, you come and find me and I'll get you a job at the local vet practice. So when I did, you know, I got my learner's permit on my truck and, you know, applied for the job. And <laughs> beyond that, I found out that with your driver's permit, your learner's permit, you could still get a learner's permit with a motorcycle, but you don't have to any, have anybody with you when you're driving. Uh -huh. So once I figured that out, I went got my permit for the motorcycle and then I was just doing my own thing. Independent. Yeah, very independent, very one track mind of, yep, I'm gonna go to work, I'm gonna learn about animals. So yeah, it kind of went from there, but always had horses from a young age all the way up until vet school and then kind of took a break and I like to think that I'm kind of back into it practicing you know working on animals uh, one of these days i'll have horses again but obviously i don't have the space and to be quite honest i don't have the time so as far as like having a horse at a barn or anything i'd feel bad because i just don't know how much i'd go visit it so now it's not the right time i do want to get back into it and i would love to get back into showing but yeah so what school did you go to UC Davis, through and through. You and know. that's the only one you applied oh, for? Well, not the only one I applied for. I applied all over the place. But UC Davis was my goal. You know, top veterinary school. Went straight from high school 
into undergrad there, did a year of master's, then went into vet school and graduated there. So all of my schooling was blue right and gold. Yeah. yeah. Well, you yeah, knew from a young age. And that was the thing. You know, I was motivated. I wanted to get into vet school and that was kind of the best way to do it. You know, I applied to a bunch of schools across the U.S. and I got into them. You know, some I got into, some I didn't. You know, as you're supposed to do, you're supposed to have the ones that are kind of like outside your reach and then the ones that are like your safety schools. Everywhere. But yeah. I got into Davis. And the frustrating thing with Davis is it seems like they're always the last one. So they're the quarter system. So you go to school after everybody else that you went to high school with, and then you get done. And so it's like this this one month shift. They were the last one. So I got into all these places and I'm just like, I still haven't heard from Davis and then got the word. And that was it. I was just like, yep, Davis. And Do you remember the feeling you got? Oh dear God, my dad tackled me. It was amazing. <laughs> so yeah, you get this letter and you're like shaking because you're just like, I don't know what this is going to say because I got rejection letters, I got acceptance letters. And I was just like, I have no clue what this is going to be. And then you open it up and it's like that first sentence. It's like, congratulations. You're like, you know? ah! and it was crazy yeah it was a wild ride it was a little bit surreal at first a little bit scary at first and you moved but, there did the dorm stuff yeah so at uc davis the first year you have to stay at a dorm so i was in the malcolm building on the ag floor everybody was in my classes that was on the floor we all took similar things and i think that was kind of the point so that way you get to kind of meet everybody you can build like friendships people. yeah like-minded people and to be quite honest i kept in touch with a lot of them you know even now which was pretty cool so it was a good experience so yeah the first year it was the dorms the year after that i actually got into the barn system so you get to live at one of the barns and i lived at the feedlot for two years so I got to, I literally lived a in a thing. barn. It was a good thing. Yeah, no, it was good. Because you don't have to pay, you kind of like work off your, your room and board type of thing. Cool. But I literally lived in a barn. Like you walk down the breezeway so you could go do your dishes in the sink or use cool. the washer dryer. The bathroom was right around, you know, the corner and you have to wear shoes because you don't know what's gone through there. You know, I mean, I cut my feet. I like being barefoot and so it was kind of crazy, <laughs> but I survived it, which was good. But I literally lived around like all the feedlot cattle, which was great. And then after that, you know, I did try like living in an apartment, living in a house and type of stuff. So I feel like as I went through school, I kept kind of upgrading my living mm -hmm. situation. You know, I lived at CEH actually for a couple of years, falling out mares, taking care of the horses there. And it's kind of one of those little like offshoots from the vet school. So they have the repro program. They have horses there for research purposes. A lot of people take their horses there if they want to leave their animals there for treatment. Yeah. before taking them home so it's actually a pretty cool like little rehab place so i lived there for a couple of years full out mares treating horses and stuff and then when i got into vet school it's kind of like okay i don't want to have to deal with that so i ended up moving into an apartment did you know from the very beginning and from a young age you wanted to be an equine vet actually i just wanted to be a large animal vet because mm -hmm. i enjoyed working on sheep goats pigs you know my cattle experience between doing the the cutting horse stuff and then living at the feedlot I just enjoyed livestock so I kind of actually wanted to do a kind of a mixed thing after vet school I did apply around to do some internships went down to Steinbeck which was primary well it's strictly equine that being said they took advantage of the fact that I liked doing small room in it so I got to do a little bit while I was there and then Sonoma Marin they actually contacted me to see it and offer me a job doing primarily equine since mm. I did the internship there. So it was it was a good little match because I got to do my equine stuff and then I still get to do some small ruminant, large ruminant work on the side, but primarily my equine. So I've always kind of had a hand in the horse stuff, but I get to do other livestock You still get to do things. things right, stuff, which yeah. helps and breaks up the day. And it's just kind of fun, all of these little backyard animals. I, mean, I even have some producers and I mean, thanks to the area, it's possible, one, but two, it just, it makes me happy because that's exactly what I wanted to do. I didn't have a specific thing I really wanted to focus on as far as veterinary medicine. You know, in high school, the clinic that I worked at was a small animal. You know, yeah, they did some horse. Yeah, they did some cattle stuff, but that wasn't their primary. Yeah, their bread and butter. So I got that experience and then, you know, did the large animal thing in vet school and it just kind of took off from there. Yeah. How was school for you? I am an academic. I enjoyed it. I enjoy the process of learning. I loved, you know, the reading, the studying. I hate taking tests, but who likes taking tests, right? So I, I, I liked school. It was easy for me, even through high school. That being said, like college wasn't easy. I took the max amount of credits that I could and just like tried to go through it. Animal science was the second largest 
a degree available there. The other one was engineering. So largest in terms of how many classes, how many classes, how many credits, how many hours you have to do, especially if you're trying to get into vet school because you have all those prerequisites that you have to take. So it was, yeah, the second largest field that you could possibly go into. You know, I kicked my butt and I got through it, damn it. And got into vet school, which I think was more luck than anything else, to be quite honest. I mean, vet school is always that hard to get into type of thing. And I look back because there are people there that were probably better applicants than me and they didn't get in. So I'm sitting there going like, well, shit, I just lucked out. But I guess it's sometimes better to be lucky than good. Well, everything happens for a reason (laughs) in my book. Yeah, that is true. You know, the universe has somewhat of a plan for you. And more and more, I'm kind of believing that being like, all right, this is where I'm meant to be. This is what I'm meant to be doing. So (laughs) here we go. Was the vet school also part of Davis? I don't know how it works. Yeah, so there's a bunch of different colleges within the University of California at Davis and the vet school is a part of that just kind of like there's the the law school the engineering school and stuff like that so yeah even yeah so still through the UC Davis system which is since it's University of California there's actually a bunch of them up and down the state that you get you because you always hear of like uh, like UC Irvine Mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah. So, what was your favorite class, if you can remember? Oh, probably the biochemistry. My mentor through undergrad, he was the main professor that taught like the animal science side of it. So it was like biochemistry, but more animal specific, which was a lot of fun. And I just really loved that class. Drawing out everything at the pig barn every night, as far as you know, following electrons across you know all the different reactions. And I just I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. So I always liked the science stuff, the biology, the chemistry, and that was just definitely my forte. And unfortunately, you have to take all those those breadth classes, you know, the English, the history, and stuff. And I was just kind of like, ah, history, English, whatever. Yeah. But I mean, they're important. Don't get me wrong, kids. (laughs) Make sure you do your English and history. But the sciences, that's really what it was. And this is more specifically biology. So then right after you graduated, then went to Steinbeck? Yeah. So after after vet school, then you have you have a choice. You could either do an internship or you could just go out and practice. And I was one of the ones that wanted to do an internship. And why? Just to help further kind of solidify my knowledge, get some more experience, still have somebody working over me. I felt that I really quite, I wasn't ready to be just a vet to go out into the world. Like I just still needed to bring it all together. And vet school is kind of a wild ride because you're learning, you're doing all this stuff. You know, all of this is just kind of sitting in your mind and you just need to now put it into practice. And I feel like the internship kind of broke it you back down and be just like, okay, like you're tired, you're exhausted, you're trying to figure all this out, you're trying to remember everything because you learn all this information for these tests, but now you actually need to apply it. And I think that the internship really helped with that. You got to see cases, but you were kind of like that next level up in that I have an actual opinion about this. So it builds you up into that kind of that bet that you're gonna be, it stresses you out you know, long hours, you know, you get to practice all your skills. And I needed that personally. I just wasn't one that once I was done with that school, I could go practice. I needed that extra year just to kind of bring it all together. And I'm actually thankful for it because coming out of it, having that extra time, working with different people, seeing the cases that I saw, I was just better prepared, a little bit more experienced before just being kicked out into the world. Yeah. And so once I was, and I came to Sonoma Marin, I felt like I was able to actually hit the ground running a little bit better than if I was to not. Yeah. Where is Steinbeck location wise? Down in Salinas, between Salinas and Monterey. So you moved down there when that Yeah, happened. I moved there and, and lived then you on moved site. Up here. And then I moved up here. Okay. Correct. So yeah, so I always like to joke, like I always started in the Owens Valley, which is on the other side of this year in Nevada's and people are like, There's that's like Nevada, right? And I'm like, no no no, there's like a little thing of California that shoots up that east side. So as I'm getting older, like I moved to Davis, I'm getting closer to the ocean, then I get to Steinbeck, and then I'm here, like the ocean's just right, right there. there. Like I get to see it every day. So for some reason, you know kind of the universe works in weird ways i keep getting closer to the ocean so at some point in time i just expect to be in hawaii <laughs> okay. so i'll see you there at some yeah. point or just come and visit or on a yeah i'll just boat. practice living on a boat and just it'll be great Turn it'll be great marine life. <laughs> no it would be fun but yeah so anyway i just keep getting closer to the ocean but i am enjoying it especially here in sonoma county because it's there's a lot to offer and it's fun i grew up in such a small town i mean 
my partner always gets a kick out of this, that we had to drive four hours just to go school clothes shopping and get all the stuff for school and to be ready. And that just blows his mind. He's like, we just drove an hour either north or south and we could go there. No, it was like we had to drive four hours. It was an overnight trip. A mission. It was a mission to get ready to go clothes shopping. And that was kind of our annual thing that our mom would take us to do. You know, we had cousins down in Southern California that we'd go visit and family that we'd spend some time with. But yeah, we were just kind of in the middle of everywhere. And even though I think on a map, we're pretty much equal to like where Fresno's at. If you take a look at the Mm -hmm. state, we were influenced by Southern California. So everything that they did, their fashion, their TV shows, it was all Southern California. So moving over to the Central Valley, everything was just such a different atmosphere. You know, the energy, the food. Oh, dear God, the food is so much better the closer you get to the uh, ocean. It's amazing. (laughs) But yeah, it just the culture was different and it was kind of shock. I mean, small town, very locked in there. And then as you kind of move over, you get to be exposed to different things. You get to go to, you know, concerts. You get to go to these plays. You get to go to the city like the heck. The only place, the biggest city I've ever been was like Anaheim going down in Southern California to go to like Knott's Berry Farm and uh, Disneyland and all that fun stuff. So it was, it was quite an experience and it was a big shift in my life as far as going from a small town over here. And it was, Davis was a good intermediate step because I mean, the town was amazing. Tons of people, very family oriented. It felt safe. Bikes everywhere. So had to learn how to bike, but whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Or not hit the bike. Or not hit the, oh God, bike (laughs) accidents at Davis are just so much fun to watch. I have to admit. Oh God. Oh yeah, no, I remember there was this one time we were sit parked, I was in the feedlot truck, we were on campus, and we were were waiting for our boss, he had to go run something into the office. And we're just sitting there in this big flatbed truck and all of a sudden you just feel a rock after this big crash and you're just like what the heck so we all look around and there's this kid like picking himself up and like we were parked there and he just like crashed into the truck. Oh the poor kid, he had to have been scraped (laughs) up pretty bad. But I think he survived. But it was crazy. Like bike accidents all the time. You get clipped, you get just run into. And you know, what's fun is that a lot of the people, they don't know how to ride or they learned to ride in, as kids, but they, they never they really did. Yeah. And so you see all these bikes and people just trying to really remember, you know, in their late teens, early twenties, how to ride bikes again. So it's quite an experience. You know, it's always like that first month of, of school. You just, you just walk everywhere because you have all the freshmen still trying to learn how to ride and they're crashing everywhere. And it's just safer to be on the sidewalk, right? On your own so two on, feet. Yep, on your own two feet where you could just bail out of the way. Within school, did you do any like typical college partying stuff? Oh man, freshman year, I always got drug out to some, but I just wasn't a big drinker, wasn't a big partier. Just that was not my scene, mm-hmm. to be quite honest. So no, I didn't. You know, I looked into potentially running for one of the, like the ag frats. But it just, great group of people, but it just wasn't for me. You know, even though they had a bunch of ties, you know, it seems like everybody, you know, is like, oh, you have to do it. This is how you get into these things. It's the connections. It just, I would not have survived. I think I would have been too distracted. And, you know, it's all about grades. Like, I hate to say it, but to get into professional school, it's all about your grades. It's all about that extracurricular work that you're doing. To be quite honest, in my view, being in a fraternity was not it for me. I think it worked out as far as my choice. Now, there were people that were in fraternities and made into vet school, but that worked for them. That was just mm-hmm. not my trajectory, and that's not what I wanted to do. I was kind of one of more of those introverted type of kids uh, to the point where, like, when I learned how to drive, my dad's like, okay, you have a license now. Go visit your friends. Get out of the house. And, and you, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I, it just wasn't for me. Not that, not that point. Do you consider yourself more introverted? Yeah, I actually do. My professional life, not so much. I'm a chatter. I'm actually, but like when I'm here, like I don't do much. I'd rather sit back, read or watch, you know, a movie, just work in the yard. I'm not going out doing things. So not like a full introvert where I'm just like closed up or anything like that, but definitely more that introverted side a little bit. I don't know if that's more of me holding on to when I was in school and it's a little bit different now, but I'm not one of those people outgoing, trying to make new friends. I mean, I wish I was, I wish I had more friends around here, but one, I just don't have time. I get home and I'm tired and two, I just, I kind of like that time by myself. Like I'm around people all day. You know, we have friends around town and I love them to death and it's great and don't get me wrong, but I don't know. I think playing some games, reading a book sounds really good at the end of the day. So I don't know, it's maybe shifting. 
<laughs> I don't know, but I ever cons- evolving. I, yeah, I kind of consider myself kind of more towards the center, maybe a little bit of introverted. Yeah, but what kind of books or TV do you watch? Oh dear lord, fantasy fiction, science fiction for sure. I kind of nerd out as far as the TV stuff and watching more of like the adult cartoon type of things, mm. or like Avatar or things like that. Kind of that more, more nerdy side, yeah. yeah, the fantasy type of thing. I enjoy that. I do enjoy documentaries, especially the animal wildlife stuff. But as far as like the more drama things, eh, action's fun. Don't get me wrong, but you have drama in your work. I have enough drama. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's all about that escapism. You know, I deal with real life every day. That's the last thing, you know, it's kind of like the people that's like, oh, have you seen this vet show? Like Dr. Pole. And I'm just like, why would I do that? I am that. (laughs) I work as a veterinarian all day long. Why would I want to go rewatch somebody do it? And every time I watch it, I'm like, don't do that. Don't do that. It's not going to work. And they go and do it and it doesn't work. And I'm just like, I can't watch this. This is stressing me out. This is like, yeah, I don't want to do this. So anyway, yeah. So more of escapism. And that kind of translates even to while I'm working, you know, we're purely ambitory type of practice. So we're driving around three to four hours a day. So I do a lot of books on tape. I can't Mm. handle the radio these days. It's always the same dang song. But the books on tape, it's a lot of fun. I get to listen to everything that I didn't get to really read growing up or, you know, while I was in school because I was too busy reading textbooks or studying. So I get to finally catch up and do the things that I want to do, which is kind of fun. But once again, I think that kind of goes towards that introverted, like I'd rather just do that yeah. a little bit. I do enjoy going out, but as you said, it's a pretty social job in general. Yeah. And do you want to talk about how you met your partner? Yeah. So growing up, closeted all the way through undergrad into vet school it was something that oh yeah totally knew like at a young age i knew that i was gay and it was one of those things that being growing up in a small town more of a conservative style situation not something that i really wanted to deal with like i really did want to get to vet school like that was my way to get out of town to make my parents happy and I didn't want to disappoint them. And I didn't want to lose them as a resource because you always hear that story of, oh, I came out and they rejected me. I never thought my parents would do that, but you never know until you're in that situation. Yeah. So it was scary. It was frightening. And I really didn't date, didn't really see guys until literally like my senior year of that school when I finally was like, you know what? I need to do something different. Did you date girls growing up? Not really. Like maybe a girlfriend under like when I was like in middle school and then I had a girlfriend freshman year and then that was it. So explored kind of the opposite of what you would expect for the college experience, but you know, just trying to figure out who you were, but I just, you always know, you're just like, yeah, this isn't just working out. And then I met Casey my senior year before we graduated. He was a senior in undergrad. I was a senior in professional school. And then kind of that weird kind of the universe pushes you in a direction type of thing going to Steinbeck you know Casey and I kept in touch long distance yeah long distance and then Sonoma Marine contacts me being like hey do you guys want you want a job because we heard about you kind of through the grapevine so we'd like to you know interview you and come up and this was towards the direction of Cloverdale where my partner's from and so it kind of kept pushing me this direction so it was like my life was telling me like hey this is your avenue this is where you need to go and I did and it's been great you know to the point where we're sitting in a house that we we own and it's fantastic and I love it and I love my little life. You know, there's always room for improvements and we have these dreams of like getting onto a ranch and having like a venue space and stuff like that, getting a horse, property, but time. Cause I'm just kind of like, you know, yes, you should have goals. Yes, you should work for them. But in the end, you just kind of have to go with the flow to a certain extent, especially in this crazy day and age. I mean, between the fires, between COVID, just holy moly, what the heck? Yeah, so met Casey at school and we just kind of been together ever since and it's just worked and it's great. He's a um, school teacher, which is great. And then I do the animal things and he puts up with my animal craziness. Actually, I think he kind of keeps me tame because I'd have so many more animals and plants if it wasn't for him. <laughs> yeah. So I appreciate him for that. that. That being said, he loves animals too. I think the cats kind of drive him up the wall, but I think he really does love them in secret. Yeah. When you're not home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's, yeah, when I get home and he's actually petting Stella and I'm just like, oh, see, you do like them. Other than that, he's like, Rah, I don't like yeah. cats, whatever. No, he really does love animals. So it works out. Yeah. So. And yeah. do you want to talk about what it was like coming out? Oh, it was scary as heck. So it was one of those, my parents came down to visit. I was, what was it, like my first to second year of working here and I was finally like, So you, know, you were, how old were you at that time? <sighs> what was that? 
six years ago. So I don't know how old you like are. Like 29, 30 <laughs> okay. is when I came out. To yeah. them, but friends knew that. Not really, no. Like, oh. it kind of had to come out after that and tell everybody, you know. And I think they all kind of expect it. And are just kind of like, well, yeah, no shit. It makes sense. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, it was such a big step. It's like one of those things, and unfortunately, you're never going to know this, but it's like accepting that you're going bald. You could I wear a hat. I never have to do You could that. try. Exactly, right? But it, it's one of those things is you kind of have to accept it yourself, and that's even hard, too. And then finally, you just get to the point where you're just like, heck with it, shaving my head. Yeah. Kind of the same thing. It's like, okay, I need to do this. You know, it's not fair to myself. It's not fair to my, you know, to Casey. So it was like, yeah, need to come out. Came out to my parents, you know, in tears. You know, they're in tears, and it was just a crazy time, but they were great. You know, I it's... It's something that everybody has to work through, not just yourself. Like, I think your friends to a certain extent, your family, definitely, you know, even though they're just like, we accept you, we love you, this is great, whatever. Like, it's a process for everybody. It's not easy, it's not simple, because, you know, they're part of the different generation where it's, that wasn't right. But, you know, as we are now, it's becoming more and more acceptable, and it was, it was good. It was... Probably the best thing I should, probably should have done when I was like in middle school slash high school, to be quite honest. And I regret not doing it. I think my life would have been a little bit, I may not have been as introverted, to be quite honest. Yeah. But it was just the way that my life turned out, to be quite honest. And I'm glad I did it when I did it. But I do wish that I would have done it earlier. And do you think you just didn't do it earlier? You kind of talked about this, but just because of the fact that you weren't sure how the reaction was going to go? Well, and just like self-confidence, fear, just in all of it. You know, just being more of a quieter kid, you know, just kind of keeping to myself. Like, I just, I didn't have that confidence to say, nope, this is who I am. Whatever is going to come, it's going to come, you know. I just, I didn't want to disappoint anybody. And I think in a way it was just, you know, forcing it in more internal for me. So it was good. But that being said, I think a lot of it, as far as, you know, kind of being closeted throughout that time, just kind of being more introverted because of it helped me get through the schooling helped me so in a way i feel like it was a way for me just to kind of focus because i didn't have to worry about dating to be quite honest because i was just like nope i'm just gonna focus this is my excuse and it worked out like i got through davis one of the premier schools got a great job i love where i'm at i feel like i'm a decent vet like it's working and so you know even though i wish it would have been earlier i don't know the trajectory my life would have taken either i'm not sure even though I wish that it was something I did earlier, I, I don't know if it was the right Things thing to changed. do. It, yeah. yeah. So I probably wouldn't have been here talking to you, to be quite honest. So yeah. kind of fun to think about. It worked out. It worked out. So getting the job at Sonoma Marin and moving up, what was that like? And why do you think they seeked you out? I think that they just needed a vet, <laughs> to be quite honest. You think it was that simple? No. Okay. Um, so one of my classmates, her brother, who was a vet, was working there at the time. And he was just like, hey, this person's looking for a job. He did an internship. You know, he's kind of more of a large animal, equine specific type of thing. And, you know, I think that this would work out. I think that, you know, there's always this shortage of vets and you always hear this. And more specifically, I think large animal vets. Once again, I think it just kind of worked out. But yeah, they... They just got word and it kind of worked out and I applied. Why do you think there's a shortage of vets? I think a combination of things of, one, it's hard to get into. There's not a lot of people that seem to be wanting to do it, even though it's like, yeah, I wanted to be a vet. The dream up. and then they changed their mind. But it's, it's, it's not a job for everybody. So I think that there's just a lot of people that want to be vets, but there's only a limited number of seats as far as you know, within the schools themselves. And then to be quite honest, I think that there's a limited number of vets in areas that need the vets, mostly because they can't support how much we we need to be paid to cover student loans, to cover the cost of living. You know, they have these rural programs where you could go and work for X amount of time and they forgive an X amount of your student loan. But these places are really, really far out. And I feel that if you're coming from vet school, like you want to start using your knowledge base and if you go to these low income areas, you're not gonna be able to practice kind of that higher level of medicine like you would like to, or that you feel is needed. So there's not a real desire to go out there. That, and it's gonna be hard because you know that you could really help this animal out, but it's money that's really dictating what you can do. There's only so much you can give away, unfortunately. So I, I think that that's part of it. I mean, the vets are out there. It's just more of, can you get them into the places you need to? But I, I, I do think that there is there is a real shortage because more people are getting animals, but 
I think it's more of a shortage in just areas that need it. I mean, a cost of living around here is just ridiculous. Yeah. So once you have an inn, you're great. But to get here, it's kind of difficult. And yeah. you have to, you know, love where you live. Tell me a little bit about Sonoma Marin in terms of what they're about, how many of you are there, that sort of thing. So there's, there's five doctors. You know, we're kind of a fun little group. You know, you have uh, Dr. Thornton, who's pretty much pure equine, even though I think we're converting over a little bit over to the dark side of the small ruminant stuff. I do, you know, mostly equine work, but then I have my hands into other things. The large ruminant cattle stuff, I don't do too much. It's mostly emergency work, but I have a lot of sheep, goat clients, pig clients. I think I'm one of the only vets that works on pigs around here. So we need really more pig You're vets the because pig it stresses me out. Working <laughs> on pigs stresses me out. There's a lot of them um, too. There's a lot of them too. And then we have Dr. Green, another one of those mixed vets that does equine and livestock. She actually does more uh, ruminant work as far as if you take a look at percentages than I do. And then we have Dr. Kiefer and Dr. O'Connor who do, well, Dr. O'Connor, he does equine and large animals. And then Dr. Kiefer who just wants to work with cows all day long. Doesn't ah. even bother him with anything else. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so it's a fun little mix and we're running around everywhere. I mean, we have such a huge call zone that you know, we get to see a lot of cool area, but we have a lot of clients everywhere. So we're always running around. And there's always someone on call. There's always somebody on call. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. No, being a vet is a lifestyle. It's not just a job. So we rotate on calls as far as during the week, like I'm every Tuesday night, which is fantastic. I love it. It's kind of, that's my night. And then you have the weekends, which we rotate. So usually out of a month, I'm primary one week in a month and then work a Saturday, you know, somewhere in there too. So it's... It's a lot. It's a lot, but that's part of being a vet. Yeah, you signed up for this. Signed up for this, <laughs> dang it. <laughs> and did you ever see yourself having your own practice? I knew that I've always wanted to be a part of like a group practice type of setting. I didn't want to be like a single doctor practice person. Eventually own, yes. But I think where everything's at with student loans, the cost of living, just everything like that, I've had to really kind of take a step back and be like, is that really the path that I really want to take? Or is this something that I still want to be a vet and maybe have a business somewhere else? Like kind of like we talked about, like the venue space type of thing. So I don't know. I'm not as confident in that. I do want to, that'd be like kind of the next big step. I just feel like right now is not right time for me. Yeah. So maybe eventually, you know, as I get older, things change in the area or where, you know, Casey and I settle out. You know, do we stay here? Do we not? We just don't know. There's still a lot in the air. But right now we're just kind of enjoying building this life, kind of getting financially stable and kind of working from there. You know, there's always like the family aspect. My dad is ALS that we're going to have to, you know, start making some big life changes coming up here pretty soon. He's in an electric wheelchair. You know, my mom retired so that she could assist him full time. Casey's grandparents are getting older, dealing with his family, my family stuff. My family, we're kind of spread out all over the place. My parents are in Oregon. My brother's, you know, in Susanville. So, you know, we have to travel to do everything. So as far as trying to keep in touch with that family side of things, your work things, you know, we're busy and I don't, I kind of still want to have it all yeah. type of thing yeah. at this point. And we're still trying to figure that out and what that looks like for us. As far as owning, yes, eventually I really would. I just don't know when or how it's going to look. Yeah. And do you ever do anything for fun? What's that? <laughs> oh, so like Casey and I travel a lot. We, you know, go up to the lake. We have a couple of sea dews. We go to the beach. We're part of a couple different wineries. We do enjoy, enjoy traveling and stuff like that. When we do get free time, yeah, we tend to travel. We tend to go out and do things, try to do things with families and friends. You know, if it's going to be one of those just night at home, we play, you know, video games or we watch, uh, currently we're watching Game of Thrones. I don't know why we're torturing ourselves, but still. It's hard to watch, <laughs> but it's also hard not to Watch. It's so good it's and just so disappointing good. that we're never going to really have an ending. But we tend to do stuff like that or we, we try to stay active. We try to do things. And Casey has a niece that we spend a lot of time with because she's amazing. I have a couple of, I have a niece and a nephew that, you know, I'm hoping that we could still do things with them. So as far as fun goes, it seems like it's a lot of family related stuff, which is great. And I love that. Do you guys want to get married and have kids? Married, yes. Kids, we're still trying to figure it out. Okay. <laughs> Mostly, you know, uh, at first I was kind of like, yeah, kids, maybe. Now I'm kind of like, yeah, I could do kids. And then Casey, because he's a school teacher, he's, at first he's like, kids, yeah. Now he's just like, eh. 
Maybe yeah. <laughs> so it's still I I still think it's a it's a really big option. It's just more of finding the right time to do it. But getting married, you know, yes. Yes, for sure. Are there any other like big pivotal moments in your life that you can think of that you want to talk about? That would be, you know, the the homosexuality coming out kind of de- uh, describing myself because that was that was pivotal and then being able to get into vet school you know that was a big one another big big thing in my life was definitely finding Casey you know he just he's an amazing person and I just couldn't imagine doing any of this without him those are kind of the biggest things beyond that you know I was fortunate to have a really great family that supported me the best that they could financially but just they've always been cheerleaders they've always been there for my brother and I which has been great but I think as far as like where I'm at now, the decisions that my parents made as far as raising two kids in Bishop, California, and really encouraging me to get into animals and, you know, the, the people who have kind of mentored me throughout my life, you know, have kind of brought me here. So I'm lucky that I haven't had too many negative things that have really impacted me. It's always been pretty positive. Like I've always been around just amazing people that have inspired slash pushed me to do great things cool i feel like i've lucked out i think with the careers that we have we give a lot back to the community so i think that we have a lot of fulfillment there and that we're a part of the community and wanting to make this world just a little bit of a better place is there a specific vet call that you get like excited about when it's on your schedule you know that's i think when i was first starting out i think i would probably have had a different answer or a better answer But nowadays, it's more of just the entire experience as a whole. You know, after practicing a few years, there's not one thing that I look forward to necessarily over everything else. That being said, working with younger animals is so much fun, like foals or kids or lambs. Like, that's just absolutely a blast. But there's always that drawback of when it doesn't go well, because I feel like those are the cases that tend to hit you the hardest emotionally. As far as being a vet, it's the entire thing that you have to enjoy the animal you have to enjoy the client you have to enjoy you know whatever is going to happen like there's the things that i absolutely don't want to see and dread like chokes or when you have to euthanize like there's always the the bad side of being a vet as far as what you have to do but as far as looking forward to something specifically i enjoy going out and just helping animals in itself so there's not that one thing that's just like oh i'm just waiting for this to happen again It's more of just, I want it to go well and I want to do a good job for the client and I want to do what's right for the patient. Is there something that you do to get yourself through those kind of emotional days? A lot of just like talking to my colleagues. It's, yeah, kind of a form of therapy because you go through a tragic case and then you literally, 10 minute drive down the road, you have to be that bright, cheery, positive person that's going to kick ass on this case again. So I think there's a lot of internalizing that goes on. And one way I feel that I could cope with it is kind of that escapism also is doing that, listening to the audiobooks, doing things that aren't really real life here and now. Like, yes, I pay attention to the news and stuff. It doesn't make things better. But it's that, just that escapism to help just kind of get away, clear my mind and go from there and just, you know, process it as it comes. I think it's kind of the best way because unfortunately we don't have time and we can't afford to just crash and burn and be sad about a case even if it went poorly because we have to be you know on our a game for the next case whatever it is so unfortunately it's kind of like not an option and that kind of sucks which makes probably no sense when everybody's listening to this especially given that there's a lot of internalization that occurs and the veterinary profession has the number one suicide rate across the board which is interesting because in school and professional school i think it's the dentist people that actually have the highest suicide rate and then it flips we're number two going through school and then yeah once we're out practicing then we jump to number one so (laughs) i'm not sure to be quite honest I, i i really don't understand that one but you know the more that i work in this field the more that i'm like yeah this is hard. Like you have to have a lot of self-confidence, but be able to cope with all of these hard feelings and still be there for the client because unfortunately you kind of have to be there to help them through it. So it's not just working on an animal. You have to kind of be that person that, you know, gets vent to and you have to help them go through the same process. So as much as we deal with it, I think that there's a little bit of a numbing effect that occurs but it's just it's always there and you always remember the bad times you always remember those tough cases you always remember how it ends 
you don't really remember the good stuff. And that's kind of the hard part too, is that it just builds up and you just need to figure out a way that you're able to cope with it, you know, and not make things worse. Yeah. So friends and family. For me, just that escapism, just in between appointments just really helps to clear my mind. And I know that you had to drive pretty far to get up here, but to be quite honest, I do think it's a period to detox too, and just kind of sure. just let it out where you could just be like, all right, I need my 10 minutes before I see another person. <laughs> <laughs> Even with what I do going from client to client, I drive a lot and I enjoy those 30 minutes or hour or whatever to yeah. be by myself and to yeah. listen to whatever I want or not yeah. listen or listen Sing to Sing along in the car, driving around, looking at people. Yep. That's always great when they see you singing and they're just like, oh shoot, I did no show. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember one of the first or like an appointment that was a positive experience that you want to talk about that you left it feeling like, oh my God, that was so cool. I learned so much. I think as far as like a specific case that's really kind of stuck with me positive, that's kind of still something is, you know, when I first started working, there was a hawk laceration over the point of the hawk that took like a couple years to get through but what's great is that you know i still work with that horse even though it was seven years ago like i still see that horse regularly the client is amazing and just kind of revisiting be just like god we both just put so much into it i mean the owner just she rocked it it's the only reason why it came through the way mm -hmm. it did but it was just one of those cases that stuck with me mostly because it was one of the first ones that i had and then kind of kept up with it and she's still a client of mine which is a really nice warm feeling because a lot of times you see these nasty emergencies and you may not really see them after that they sell the horse they move somewhere else they use another vet for various reasons but those cases that you kind of get to be like yeah i've been there from the beginning it's it's great i love it do you want to talk about anyone in your life that's inspiring for you well my parents for sure so my mom was a pharmacy technician. My dad was in law enforcement and, you know, hardworking, just fully supportive. You know, I wouldn't be here without them for sure. My brother, you know, because it was just the two of us, we've been through a lot. And, you know, he was always supportive to love him to death. And then you have, you know, Sandy Day, like I talked about, Steve Day, her husband, like they were so instrumental in getting me was comfortable around horses as I am, training me, teaching me everything that I know. And then Carl Lind, he's the veterinarian that saw at an early age to be like, hey, he needs to work with me. We need to do this. And he encouraged me. He really, he was instrumental in getting me into vet school. You know, from there, Steinbeck, the people down there were fantastic. You know, I think they finally kind of polished off the rough edges type of thing to get me here. Mm -hmm. And then just you know from there it just kind of keeps growing but i think earlier in life my family the days and the lens they were instrumental absolutely instrumental to where i am today and i'm so thankful that i got to know them and that they took an interest in me to get me here yeah cool so what is something within the community that you'd like to see evolve or change with time and then if you're not already how can you help with that change and oh, you can that take is your time. an interesting question. <laughs> that is a very interesting question. In the community, I think it's kind of interesting because I'm not from around here. So I've had to kind of start from scratch from getting to know the wider community around here. And then being from that perspective, going through like all of the fires and seeing like the community come together. I think the biggest thing is that we need to really just focus on being a community that works with each other. I, I just find it so crazy how we're so separated. We could have all of our different opinions and different views, but we could still get along. We could still build a better world. And it's one of the reasons why I liked coming up here to Cloverdale and getting the house here is that I like that it's a smaller group of people. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody really does come together when there is a need. And I love that. And I think that that's something that we need to do. Unfortunately, I think that we're kind of going away from that. I think that there's a lot of people who are able to afford multiple income, like, you know, housing type of thing. And they do the Airbnb, they rent it out. And unfortunately, I think that takes away from the community, even though I do understand, yes, I'm glad they could do that. They're making money. That's great. However, it really does take away and detract because we need people here that, you know, want to stay, that want to join the community and not just be out for themselves because it's a small world. We're only here for a little bit of time and 
I think we just, we keep moving away from that. Everybody's just getting so up in arms. And I think the pandemic has really separated us and split us even more. You know, yes, you're allowed to have your own opinions. Yes, you do get to have a decision in your life. But I feel like people are all about me, me, me. I think we need to realize that sometimes we have to look out for each other and that, you know, doing something may not, you know, may be just best for somebody else. It's not necessarily from you, but you know what? It might be worth that sacrifice. And I think that people kind of lose touch of that community. And there's some great people out here and we need to keep them around and we need to just be friendly. And so I think that that for me is the biggest thing is just that we're getting to be this weird separated world. We're all the same species. I don't care where you're from. I don't care. We're all, we're all still human. And we still got to take care of all these little guys. So why fight? Yeah. You know. And how are, what are you doing to implement this? Oh, I don't know. I still try to get involved with like helping out, you know, with the school stuff that Casey does. I could probably do a little bit better job going through high school. I was a part of search and rescue. So I felt like I gave back to the community there. Right now, I think with the job that I have, I have limited time as far as what we get to do outside of all of that. Because by the time I get home around six, seven o'clock, it's time to eat, time to go back to bed. But still just try to be involved with the community and going out, doing certain things, being a part of some of these more outreach program type of things like Goatlandia is, I love being a part of them and I try to support them the best way that I can. You know, kind of spreading that word to just educate people about one, animals, livestock and stuff like that, but just to help build that community even more. And unfortunately, I think that we just should focus on our youth to be like, hey, this is your world that we're giving to you. Sorry what we did to it, but there's some positive things that we're gonna try to help you figure it out. There's still some stuff that I would like to do. It's just more of when the time is right, you know, when I could afford to donate the money that we can or get involved with certain programs. And I'm just, unfortunately right now, we're just split into so many different ways that it makes it a little bit difficult, but we're trying. It's a little bit at a time. Yeah. So lastly, I am starting to let everyone ask me one question and it can be a surface level question. Oh, you didn't even say anything about that. I did that, that. on purpose because I didn't want you to start thinking of a question. So a question that comes to mind that you want to ask me. So what is something that you would change in this area as far as kind of the same thing along with the community thing? But what is one thing that you would like to see changed? In the community. To make, in the community to make this world a better place. I think a big thing that needs to change is people's willingness to learn how to recycle or why, you know, their opinions about eating meat or not eating meat, like things like that, just edu edu actually educating themselves on helping the planet instead of just living their day to day. I feel like a lot of people just live and are just trying to survive, which I totally get. But I think we have the resources, whether it's just Googling or asking friends or asking people, oh, you're a vegetarian. Why are you a vegetarian? And actually pulling in some of that. Mm -hmm. I think just lack of education and lack of, like you were saying, lack of thinking about the community because most people are just focused on themselves and I get with the pandemic that we do need to kind of internalize some things and focus on what I need to do especially living in California and how expensive it is and all of that I think I think just educating ourselves yeah. and I think that's a good point I think we need to just listen a little mm -hmm. bit better because everybody has their own point of view everybody has their own understanding whether or not it's factual it's flawed or whatever but I feel like we're just too quick to argue instead of just sitting back to be just like i hear what you're saying explain it or like you what do you mean that way why yeah. are you that way yeah and i think that we just you know we're too argumentative where it's like okay this is how i understand it and just trying to take more of a less aggressive approach yeah so i could kind of see that you know and i just love always asking you know people that question even like vegetarian vegans like why like what's your experience what brought you to here because I mean, I unfortunately work around food animals and I get that question a lot. It's like, you must be a vegetarian. I'm like, no, actually, no, I still eat meat. And I ask myself why and if I should be all the time. And, you know, I have opinions about certain things and, you know, kind of conform my diet around that. But it's always fun to hear everybody's perspective because it's not the same. It's like, oh, I don't like the way the animals are treated or, oh, they're cute and fluffy, which is fine if that's your reason. 
But I I like to know because mm-hmm. I love, I mean, I talk to so many different people. I meet so many different people in s- different situations that it's kind of more fun to hear their perspective yeah. and why they are what they are. And I feel that not enough people do that. Nobody listens just to listen and be just like, oh, that's amazing. I don't agree with it, but you don't have to say that. You can yeah. just be like, that's fantastic. That's an interesting point of view. I think that's a big thing for me because of what I do for work and just my wide range of friendships that I have where it's okay if I don't agree with certain things. It's okay if, like, because I am a vegetarian on that note. And so just hearing somebody out and being like, huh, well, cool. You could respect their opinion and not agree with it. Yeah, exactly. Just don't be a jerk. Yeah, just don't be rude about it. And if it's if you're strongly a vegan and someone is not, you're not going to change anybody by being mean to them. No, no, or telling not, them that they're just wrong. Yeah, that's you not going to work. That's just not how that works. Yeah, but be willing to educate, or and but that person has to also be willing to be educated. So, oh, it totally goes both ways. So you yeah. have to have an open mind, and you know. I think the one crazy thing is that there's this weird perspective that people, once they have an opinion, they have to stick with that opinion. And that's, I think, one thing that being a vet coming from the sciences, coming from, you know, an academic background is you're allowed to change your mind. And you know what? It might be a complete 180, but there's something, there's an experience, there's a factoid, there's something out there that if it's going to do that, allow it, allow for that change. Don't be so stubborn. I think that if you have more questions challenging your beliefs and if you're able to work through them, you're going to either have a stronger opinion or just become a better person to cope with that. And I feel like too many people are, it's it's my way or the highway. Oh, you don't understand. Oh, you're just wrong. Go ahead and listen to other news sites. Go ahead and read different things. You know, do the op-eds. Do everything that maybe challenges your beliefs. It's either going to make us stronger or it's going to make you a better person because you have to really cope with these hard, hard issues because things are not going to become easier. And the more that we just dig in, the more that all of this is going to fail. Yeah. Got to be flexible. Yep. Mentally, physically, emotionally, you got to be open to change. You have to just discover who you are as a person and not just lock yourself into a box. I agree. Well, thank you for chatting with me. (laughs) Thanks for coming up and visiting. Bye. Hello again, and thanks for tuning in to Stable Connections, the podcast. This is your host, Shauna Burke. And if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, don't forget to tune in every Monday morning for a new story and a new journey. The best way to support us is by following on Instagram and Facebook and sharing with all of your friends. Leave a review on Spotify and or Apple Podcasts and see you next week. Next week.